0: Hello. Thanks for listening to this Dharma podcast. I hope you consider that in accordance with the Buddhist tradition, all of my work as a teacher is offered without charge and supported entirely by donations only. If you'd like to support this work, you'll find a PayPal button on dharmapunksnyc.com. On our website, you'll find resources and a free sample from my wisdom publications book, Unsubscribe, which is available at bookstores and online retail outlets. Thanks for listening. What develops a sense of security during times when novel threats or dangers in the world? In this case, uh, obviously, we're talking about battling viruses, which our species has been doing since we evolved in the modern form. And actually, we've been doing it with only limited success. And there's actually a lot of reasons which are not being... um, uh, sort of uh uh, discussed in the news about why to not be panicky or not to overreact to this Um, uh, most uh what you won't hear on the news is that uh, in 1918 to 19 there was an absolutely devastating pandemic which uh, the spanish flu which killed over half a million people in the us and 50 million people worldwide at the same time, World War One was going on, and despite all of that, uh, life expectancy actually continued to grow. It actually didn't diminish. So there actually was no toll on human life expectancy, despite a pandemic that was far, far, far graver than than this could possibly turn into. Every year, dengue fever sickens seventy-five million people. of whom will die. This has been going year on and year on and year on. Nobody thinks about that. We've been living with actually a uh, pandemic that actually has a mortality rate that kills about a million people a year, every year. Uh, Epidemics and pandemics have never resulted in any significant long-lasting damage to the availability of resources, so it's easy to fall into this um, because, uh, let's face it, uh, American news media uh, does follow the if it bleeds, it leads uh, philosophy of trying to produce or package news in such a way that it creates the most clicks or uh, gets the most eyeballs. And so It's not actually in the interest of the news to actually present the information in a way that, one, uh, creates a sense that, okay, there's certain things we have to do to be responsible, but there's actually no reason to walk around with a state of alarm. Still, given all of this uh, information, the fact that COVID-19 will probably wind up having a mortality rate for people under 50, lucky you, uh of about 0.2 percent which means it's essentially the same as the yearly flu so even if you did contract it almost all of you would survive quite well you probably even wouldn't have the severe version of it unless you had an underlying uh health issues such as um, cancer diabetes or uh, cardiovascular vascular disease but vast majority of people under the age of 60 would, even if they did encounter it, survive uh, like they would survive the flu. But appealing to people's logic uh, to try to develop a sense of security during times where there is uh, purported threats around very often doesn't work. And why is that? Why is uh, there such a wide variety of responses that uh, people have? To this kind of news. I've actually heard in already in my one day back of uh, meeting with people I've already heard stories of people hoarding and you know spotpiling resources and uh, becoming extremely anxious and riddled with uh, a great degree of emotional disproportionate, dysregulated responses. Um, so, uh, why is it, that, what is it that is a salient factor in the way we respond to threats, is tonight's talk, and how do we uh, develop a sense of security? Um, unlike animals which survive threats by fight or flight responses, which means they generally have physiological capabilities of outrunning uh, danger or combating danger, we have limited physiological ability to outrun or flee any threats. We're not particularly fast. We don't actually have hair in our body, so we're susceptible to cuts and wounds. We are we don't climb uh, very well or burrow holes. So uh, evolution solved the, the dilemma of survival by giving us the most advanced uh, capabilities of trust and cooperation uh, a mammalian species, or species uh, that of our kind has. Um, we, in, when facing threats, not only connect with others to develop safety in numbers and to harness resources to address issues, but also what we do when we connect with others is it allows us to develop what's called emotion co-regulation. When I connect with you during a stressor and I express uh, any degree of concern, in that meeting with you, we both, our nervous systems, literally limbically co-regulate and we soothe each other. It's not even so much based, it's actually not at all based on ideas, it's simply based on mutual presence Creates a uh, this co-regulating factor where literally our heart rates both start beating slower, our blood pressure mutually goes down. The vagal breaks in us are switched on, so we relax simply by gathering together in times of uh, challenging times. Still, despite this programming to connect and to have positive. Uh, responses to environmental or ecosystemic threats. Social defense theory, which is actually a very robust form of sociology, shows that people respond in a wide variety of unpredictable ways when faced with stress. Some people become compulsively self-reliant. Some people become easily overwhelmed and dissociative. Some people become hypervigilant, stuck in anxiety, and uh, emotionally uh, overreactive even to slight threats. Others rally to cooperate and to develop a a cohesive collective action to respond. So there's this wide variety of responses, and uh, one of the kind of breakthroughs that's happened in this field is showing a direct correlation between what we call attachment the early experiences in life and the styles of attachment we have and the way we respond to challenges in our environment and threats in the world around us. So uh, the role of parents in childhood is to serve as a haven of safety, a safe place, um, from which we as infants and children can explore the world around us and return when there's a sense of danger. And to the degree, over a course of a long period of interactions with parents, when our caregivers respond sympathetically when we are distressed, when they create a sense of safety, when we need to be soothed. What it does over time is create a felt sense of safety in the world, otherwise known in psychology as a secure base. A secure base is a durable disposition that essentially, uh, not, it's not something that is kept in our conscious minds, it's an unconscious disposition or trait that uh, holds our unconscious beliefs about whether people will be available when we're in times of need whether the world is overall a safe place to turn to for help whether we will be regarded well by others during times of stress and so forth so it holds our core unconscious emotional beliefs about whether or not we are safe and we can rely upon people. And these are not beliefs that we are consciously aware of, but they actually um, influence in every way possible our the way we respond to stressors and threats in our world. In adulthood, people with what's called secure attachment, those were the ones whose caregivers responded with sympathy and interest and were soothing throughout much of childhood, people with secure attachment, which are roughly 50% of us, um, respond to stresses and threats by seeking concrete support from others, collaborating well to restore a sense of security, as well as relying on internal resources of self-soothing. So they balance well knowing when to self-soothe themselves by For instance, positive recollections of times they've survived other stressors, they know when to reach out for help, they generally collaborate well, they don't become either over-emotional or under, you know, squelching their affects, they have an appropriate response to situations that makes it easy for them to play a positive role in dealing with the Um, Of course, uh, it's not always great if you have secure attachment. That would be a lie. There's actually some research that suggests people who have secure attachment do have a couple of disadvantages. they have delayed perceptions of danger because they have such an enhanced feeling of security in the world. During fires, people with secure attachment... <laughs> <laughs> I so can't relate to this. But people with secure attachment were less likely to, in quotes, react early to signs of danger such as sh- shouts, noises, and people running. <laughs> like, what, you're just going to sit there? Or just, oh, I'm safe or, Secure, in quotes, I'm I'm reading uh, research from social defense theory, secure tend to turn and protect loved ones rather than flee from the threat, staying at times in danger zones until it's too late. So this is a kind of a rare case when you're in a fire or there's an avalanche it's not really appropriate to the context in which we're talking about, but I just wanted to be completely transparent that it's not always the safest thing in the world or the most adaptive to have secure attachment, but most of the time it is. (laughs) When attachment figures fail to respond reliably and predictably to bids for attention and respond positively to our needs, they produce one of two essentially chronic, insecure attachment styles. So what are they? Well, uh, there's avoidant attachment, which is marked by extreme self-reliance, lack of trust, a pretense of emotional calm when in fact they're simply burying or essentially they learn how to disconnect from their arousal or sense of fear or concern. They don't tend to seek emotional support. They tend to rely on isolating protective actions to escape threats. At certain times, of course, there's an adaptive balance uh, or benefit for this. Uh, Generally, people with avoidant attachment are the first to get up and run from a sign of any possible threat. They generally will uh, focus on self-survival. They, and that can be a positive model I suppose secure people were just sitting there feeling safe when the fire breaks out. But there's a lot of reason why avoidance uh, attachment is not uh, so useful. It, they don't collaborate well. They generally tend to become very controlling and domineering in situations that tends to lead to a lot of conflict. And they tend to, because they don't have a felt sense of the positive Uh, results of attachment, they don't reach out and uh, over the duration regulate their emotions, which means they are far often set up for long-term trauma and PTSD because they don't know how to process uh, threats. Uh, People with anxious attachment are marked by extreme symbiotic dependence, which means they depend on one person, not a collective connection of a community which is healthy, they will fixate or become preoccupied on one attachment figure. Like, where's my girlfriend? Where's my boyfriend? Where's my my son, my daughter? They will become just fixated on one person. They have constant hypervigilance to threats. They, during times of stress, become prone to dysregulation in terms of insomnia, mm-hmm. diminished appetite, and extremely intensified negative emotions to gain attention from others. Uh, Hypervigilance strategies lead to beyond chronic stress and insomnia, compromised health, though there is a slight positive. I'm trying to be, you know, again, just uh, lay it all out there. Because they have ongoing monitoring of their environments and are, tend to have uh, very large emotional responses to events, they, there is a certain survival advantage to that under extreme duress. However, if we're going to summarize all of this, from the work of the great Mario Mikulenser, Philip Shaver, um, secure individuals enjoy many adaptive advantages over insecure uh, attachment styles. There's far fewer long-term psychopathologies after threats. They tend to connect better and to regulate their emotions throughout. They tend to have self-calming appraisals of threats and they tend to outperform insecure people in terms of being collaborative and helping others to survive. So in the long term, not only are you, if you have a greater sense of uh, this secure base, not only will you col- collaborate better with others, in the long term you won't have any of the damaging psychopathologies uh, associated with dysregulated or unresolved traumas, and you will also feel good about the actions that you took during a time of stress. If you have insecure, uh, or let's say avoidant attachment, you probably won't look back and feel that great about self-survival is all that matters actions. And if you have uh, anxious attachment, you probably will remain uh, hypervigilant and stressed in the long term even after the event all this is actually found in core Buddhist teachings on personality the Buddha noted uh, in his teaching on Nama Rupa that our core perceptions about self and other what we want from the world where to focus our attention is like an attachment theory he taught established very very early in life very very early and the Buddha also noted that there are four basic types of people. I kind of like this teaching. Uh, There's the desires or loba, grasping. These are the people who he said, he literally there's an example of this in the teaching. He said these are people who walk into gatherings and immediately become preoccupied on who's attractive, where the food is, all the things they want, and they become immediately moved towards things that make them feel good there's dosa or adversive which immediate people who immediately find fault or critical seek distance from others and of course there's an uncanny uh, similarity with avoidant attachment with their much like with grasping or desirous there's a similarity with anxious attachment Moha, or confused or delusional people who are overwhelmed fearful and seek escape into fantasy. And these we know as what's called disorganized attachment that I didn't really talk too much about. And finally, those there's what the Buddha called sada, or confident, people who see what's good and wholesome in others and want to connect with them in to establish a sense of balance so that they can live a spiritually wholesome, or have a spiritually wholesome response. So how do we establish a secure base, especially uh, if we have a felt sense of insecurity in the world or we simply want to feel more secure during times where there's an abundance of stressors. Well, the Buddha taught uh, devanusati, which is a reflection and a visualization of protective spirits. And whenever uh, renunciates, which were practitioners, In early Buddhism, would go off into the jungles where they were actually very susceptible to disease and attacks by animals, and there was also, you know, uh, just a very great sense of vulnerability because they would be alone. The predominant practice was in reciting uh, or chanting. Rakantu Sabha Devati, which means may the devas protect me and others. But even more common, commonly was Devanusati, which was a practice where individuals would visualize in their meditation what it would be like to be with a protective spirit or entity or person. And that creates that core sense of a secure base, they were talking about, a reliable, uh, responsive, uh, soothing presence that essentially speaks to the deepest need of attachment that we have. It's interesting that today, in the work of uh, Daniel Brown and uh, David Elliott, who are uh, essentially very important psychologists at Harvard. have now used this practice as a way to address uh, psychopathologies, disorganized attachment, and people with addiction, and so forth. In their practice, it's called the ideal parent, which is visualizing a protective caregiving individual that would give all of us the needs that we have that were never fully addressed in the times of childhood when we were most vulnerable. So, I hope that was somewhat followable. Um, what we're gonna do tonight in our meditation is we're gonna be practicing some first self-soothing uh, tools which essentially allow us to down-regulate our nervous system Uh, And we do these commonly in our meditation. And then for the second part, we're actually going to be doing a Devanusati Sati practice where we actually create the somatic experience of what it feels like to be secure in the world. And we're going to address those underlying core schemas that uh, dictate how we respond to threats. So thank you for listening. Hope that that was interesting in some way or another. If not, I will be more acclimated next week, so I'll do better. And uh, to find a really comfortable position. And uh, there's really two principal factors to bear in mind when we meditate, which is number one, Try to sit up tall, so that cultivates a sense of alertness. But also try to sit in a way that's relaxing and comfortable. The alertness is simply so that we don't fall asleep or just fog out, which I am possibly likely to do. Try not to. So, the alertness keeps us from drifting off. But the, developing a state of relaxation and ease is there so that we will want to become embodied and aware of our internal experience. If we're not sitting in a comfortable way, it's far more difficult to develop psychobiological states of ease and comfort to soothe ourselves if we're not feeling, we're sitting in a comfortable way. So we can meet these two core directives by simply preventing your head from slouching, just keeping your chin uh, parallel to the ground, which could mean simply lifting it like maybe an inch up, like you're looking at a slightly tall building And that's just generally enough to keep that sense of alertness going, but for the rest of your body, just allow everything to hang down in a really comfortable way. And taking our initial steps towards self-soothing, a full nice, complete in-breath through the nose and squinching the muscles on the face as tight as you can, furrowing the brow, pinching the nose, clenching the jaw, and then as we breathe out and an extended exhalation, release all the muscles in the face. We're doing that because when we're in the highest state of the nervous system, the social engage, which is what we want to be in, it's useful to relax the muscles in the face, cultivate a neutral expression, not carrying around any and acknowledge tension. And the second full in-breath through the nose, lifting the shoulders up if you like, up, like you're trying to reach them above your ears, rotating them back, and then with the exhalation, dropping the arms, and we rotated the shoulders back so that we would open up the chest and engage the vagal break, which, again, lowers your heart rate, breathing, blood pressure. It's kind of a break in the nervous system that allows us to downregulate from stress. And then For our third inhalation, imagine you're breathing into the middle of your belly and your belly is expanding and inflating with the in-breath, it's becoming, and then the the, uh, growth is now spreading up into your chest which is becoming energized and then as you breathe out, releasing the chest and then softening the belly. So abdominal breathing is a wonderful way to cultivate ease, a sense of calm during stressful times. When people are in fight, flight, or reactive states, the breath is articulated in the chest, which activates adrenaline, as well as greater emphasis on the inhalations. When the breath is in, primarily expressed in the expansion and contraction of the abdominal region of the body that releases acetylcholine, engages the parasympathetic nervous system, calms us down. So you can use the way you breathe as a way to steer your meditation, like you're in a kayak and you can row on the left or the right side If you focus a little bit more on the inhalation, you'll bring energy and alertness. But if you want to relax, focus on lengthening the exhalations, making them smooth, not pushing the air out, but releasing it. So the practice is just to try to land in this present experience without adding anything to it, by which I mean thoughts, views, opinions, or abandoning this experience by drifting away into memories or plans of the future, just to be here now to be with, to land in your life, to bring awareness to the sensations of your body, which are both giving you vital information and also paying tribute to the body which has been sustaining you throughout the course of life. Whenever you find your thoughts wandering away from just being relaxed and present with this moment, how you feel in your body, what the feelings arising and passing in the front of the body, the emotional states of the mind, whenever you, which is normal, for one's attention to wander off, just provide a really wonderful, relaxing, full breath for the awareness to return to. Don't add any judgment or frustration that it's challenging to stay present, we're cultivating that state of arriving in life where we don't feel there's anything missing, anything we have to accomplish. There's no sense of wanting to go beyond this moment. There's no sense that there's another moment in the future that is better. There's a sense of this specific time is sacred. I'm not missing anything. I have everything I need to fully land in my life and just become fully awake, fully appreciative of life, fully available to all my needs, expressed by my body. So, at this point, see if you can create an internal sense of now sitting with a great deal of space around you, not being this connected with a community, but having a lot of space, openness around you, it could be in a bright field, or a sense of a dark sound stage or whatever environment you can visualize or create, to give you this sense of space And then what we're going to do is develop an internal secure base, and we'll do this by either visualizing sitting directly in front of you, a person or protective spirit, some Sympathetic, engaged, responsive, caring, other, with you. If you don't, or can't visualize, just create that sense of someone sitting right next to you, on your left or your right side, or perhaps even sitting directly behind you, soothing, caring, available figure with you, a presence, this could be based on attributes of a real relationship in your life, a soothing person, or it could be entirely based on your imagination. And for this practice I invite you, if you like, to take one hand and put it on your heart center and just first feel the warmth of the hand. This is a somatic experience that recreates the feeling of being securely attached a feeling of warmth in the front of the chest synonymous with relaxed state of the nervous system and then we can even take a second hand if you want don't have to do this of course and just create an additional sense of warmth by placing the second hand on the back of your neck and just create this feeling of being held. Just feeling the warmth in your chest, the warmth in the back of your neck. Breathing fully into the belly, long, soothing releases. And then if it's available, cultivating a very relaxed secure expression on your face, whether that's based on a slight shift in the musculature of the mouth or in the eyes, whatever feels like an expression of being with someone you feel really safe with. And just continue to have that sense in your mind, whether it's visual or just felt, of being with a presence, a person, an entity, a being that cares about you, that won't abandon you, that is with you, that creates a sense of togetherness, Trying to spread the warmth, if you feel it from your hand on your heart center, spread that warmth through your body. Spread any sense of ease and comfort with it, using the exhalation to spread the sensations down the arms or down the body. Just relax into this sense of vital connection and whenever you feel like it, just allow your hands to return to a comfortable position. So in a moment I'm going to ring the bowl and when you hear the sound really take your time, don't just open your eyes and look around the room. See if you can find some felt sense of ease or strength or confidence That might have slightly developed in your body during the practice, if it did, or any sense of comfort in your body, just try to locate it and bring it with you into an awareness that has sight. Don't allow sight, visual images of the world around you to push awareness of your body and any confidence you've cultivated into the background.